This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamaliti. I was managing a farmer's market and every week I would see these farmers and I developed this relationship with them where it was a pure edible education for me. And I know that a lot of these small scale farmers, it's not a lucrative business (laughs) and it's something they do out of love. And so the more that I got to enjoy it and see that love, I started to feel more connected to the food and I felt like I was being taken care of by this land and I wanted to also take care of the land and that whole message I just I wanted to write a book about it. That's Deirdre Bjork. She's a recipe developer, nutritionist, and author of her brand new cookbook called Peak Season, which focuses on local Ontario produce. It celebrates some of the finest natural ingredients. It guides us through 12 months of mouth-watering deliciousness. Honestly, it's the perfect accompaniment for anyone who enjoys shopping at a farmer's market or believes in being inspired by the power of ingredients. So let's meet Deirdre. Hi, Deirdre. Welcome to the podcast. Honestly, I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi, Mary. I'm so excited to be here. It's a real pleasure. I can't wait to talk all things food with you. I want to get into the book and I want to talk about you and peak season. So describe the book for listeners. What can readers at home or a home cook expect from this deliciously curated cookbook? Well, so the book has been three and a half years in the making. And My history is in recipe development. Um, Originally, I was a nutritionist and I was brought on as a recipe developer um, at Fresh City Farms, an organic local delivery food system um, in Toronto. And when I started developing recipes for them, I started working hand in hand with farmers. And it wasn't until then did I realize when I was cooking with the food that the farmers were delivering that day that food was so fresh that I didn't have to do too much to it (laughs) it was everything was effortless because the food was so flavorful because it was in peak season and that's why I wrote the book was I'm I'm a very lazy cook as well so (laughs) working with fresh food I was able to to not have to do as much work in the kitchen and still get so much out of um, the meal. So that's kind of what you would expect in the book is every month you'll find out exactly what is in season. There's even at the beginning of the book, these really cute illustrations that tell you exactly what's in season by the month. And then as you go through, it's categorized by the month. And so it'll highlight those ingredients. And, and then you can kind of look out for those ingredients each month, pick those up and then cook through the book based on that. And I love it because one, it's accessible. You can get this anywhere because they are locally grown. They are in season and you're getting that flavorful bite. You're actually tasting the ingredients because when we get ours shipped in, <laughs> we lose a lot of that a lot of that flavoring as it comes into us. But if you're eating locally, right? Exactly. And that was a huge part is that if you go to a supermarket, we're able to get what we want whenever we want it. And I've definitely been a huge fan of convenience too. I've I've been tempted by a recipe that had peaches in the and I want to make it in the winter time, but it just never was the same. Like a peach doesn't hit the same in January as it does in August. <laughs> 
Right. So, so I wanted to make sure that this book would tempt recipes that inspire you to cook based on what is, um, what is available to you at the time. And I would say that it also, your book helps introduce us to a lot of local ingredients that we probably wouldn't even be aware of. Yeah, I was a huge fan of just sharing these new things that I have been learning throughout the past 10 years and 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 wanting to share with other people. And I made sure that in each recipe, if it's something like pretty like obscure at this time, which it, I bet you it won't be in five years, but... I made sure to do any kind of substitutions. So the ingredients or the recipes are accessible to anyone, but in a way of introducing these things like mulberries, for example, they're in full bloom right now. And every street I walk on in my neighborhood, at least there's one mulberry tree. And you can tell um, that it's a mulberry tree because if you look down at your feet, there's just purple splatters everywhere. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I incorporated mulberries into the June um, into the June section of the cookbook. And it's something that you don't see often in supermarkets, but they grow like wild here. And it's crazy you don't see them in supermarkets, but because they're ephemeral, they don't last forever and you can't carry them all year round. It's not something commonly that a supermarket would carry because they wouldn't make money off of that. And and it's really sad to see that because this is something that grows really well in our terroir. Uh, we have amazing soil for it. And the less that it's grown for commercial purposes, the more that it'll become extinct because not a lot of people are growing more of it. So I wanted to highlight a few of these things because I want to keep that biodiversity in our region as well. There's so much stuff that can grow here and naturally, but um, we're starting to see a lot of loss of these these, um, ingredients because not a lot of people know about them or buying them or growing them. Where did the inspiration for your cookbook come from? Oh, um, so a huge part of it was just that that moment of realizing in the kitchen, like, oh, cooking can be a lot easier if I just cook with fresh food. <laughs> like, wait, why isn't everyone doing this? Right. The other part was I also was managing a farmer's market. And every week I would see one, these farmers, um, I would meet them every single week and be just interested in the food. And they would be so happy to tell, I would just ask a million questions and they'd be so happy to tell me everything about the food that they grew because they were so proud and just so passionate about what they do. And I developed this relationship with them where it was a pure edible education for me. And they got to share something that they love doing. And I know that a lot of these small scale farmers, it's not a lucrative business. (laughs) And, and and it's something that they do out of love and know, like they know how good this food is because they grow it and eat it. And so the more that I got to enjoy it and see that love, I started to feel more connected to the food as well. And and I felt like I was being taken care of by this land and I wanted to also take care of the land because of that. And, and that, that, whole message I just wanted to share in this book. And um, I was just so inspired by it all that I I wanted to write a book about it. 
Are you up for a quick game of this or that? Let's do it. Morning person or night owl? Pre-pandemic, I had always been a morning person. Mm -hmm. During pandemic and post-pandemic, I really leaned into the sleeping in. And now I've been like falling in love with being a night person. And I don't know if I can go back. (laughs) Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Sweet or salty? Definitely salty. Fries or onion rings? Oh, fries. Pickles or cucumbers? Oh my, oh, that is right the top. hardest. Okay, no, I have a peak season answer for this. Cucumbers in the summertime, pickles in the winter. They're both incredible. Which, by the way, my question to the world is, why is a pickled cucumber a pickle and every other pickled vegetables, you know, like a pickled onion, a pickled radish? But cucumbers get the the title of just pickle. Oh, I never thought about that. Oh, I need to start another segment here. (laughs) So while cooking, do you listen to music or do you prefer silence? I listen to podcasts. And guess what? I got a new podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So what would that podcast be? Uh, Something to do with kitchens and confessions. (laughs) (laughs) Great answer. Love it. Now, I've also heard you mention somewhere the term of sidewalk to table food. Please do share. I loved this term. What does it mean? Yeah, I'm a big fan of sidewalk to table. Big fan of free food, especially when it's fresh and delicious. Um, I started this uh, concept because I work a lot with this brand, Fjall Raven. They're a sustainable outdoor clothing company. And um, we put on a few events. And one of them, I was showing um, this group of people. We did this tour of the city right in the middle of downtown and how you can still grow food downtown and how um, how there is food all around us. And, and we walked all like literally like university street and no way street. Yeah. And we would find certain trees and um, weeds that people normally just walk right by. And um, they're actually culinary trees. Let's say like dandelions, you can get the greens, the roots, the flowers, the leaves, like everything in a dandelion you can eat and you see them everywhere. That's a great sidewalk sidewalk to table ingredient up university into Queens Park there's actually a bunch of wonderful nut trees there's a black walnut tree and a butternut tree then butternut as not as in the squash it's butternut as in the nut itself which is native to Canada and so there's actually these nut trees that grow right on right in the middle of downtown or um, the other day I was walking along the lakeshore and I picked up service berries are in season so I picked a bunch of service berries and made a service berry and strawberry clafuti yesterday so that was a wonderful example of a sidewalk to table culinary treat right there that's hilarious okay so for people that don't know what the Lakeshore, what University Ave is. These are downtown areas. So University Avenue is a downtown road. It's, what is it, four lanes? Yep. Two on one side, two on the other. It's all concrete buildings around, but yet you're finding food, which is just, I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's pretty incredible. It's just think of any kind of busy city. It's like one of the center streets of the busiest city. <laughs> so, um, what, okay, what else would you pick? I mean, because when you think of foraging, it is when you think of foraging, you think forest. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're actually finding this everywhere. You're finding food everywhere you go. Everywhere. Even in Toronto, you can see this more in the parks a bit. Um, But just outside of Toronto, a lot of highway roads, county roads, you'll see a lot of sumac. So sumac grows like crazy here, which is insane to me that we don't use it as much in our in our um, in our region. Like it's, it's so tasty. It's so delicious. And I actually use it in my cookbook often in substitution of lemon zest. Because I want it yes. to be as true to the region as possible, but accessible. And sumac is something that's very tart. And it's really, really got that like zesty flavor already. So so I put it in, um, what, what would be an example? Oh, there was a, a crisp that I used. And it, I, I'm trying to remember which one it is because there's two really good crisps. And I used sumac in it. And it was just the most perfect um substitution for for lemon zest and so I started to add it into quite a few of the recipes instead um that way it can kind of celebrate what does grow here I did I saw that and I loved the fact that you use that what do you want people to learn or take away from peak season Uh, to to realize how good food is (laughs) that grows (laughs) close to home like I think Ontario is a culinary region and no one really realizes that right now because we're so young. Our soil is so favorable to food and we have so much incredible food and we have a lot of amazing chefs and, and recipe developers and people in this food industry that are only starting to be recognized now. And I think it is a global culinary region. We're just too young at this moment to be recognized the way that Oaxaca, Mexico, or Tuscany, Italy, like those kind of places, Hong Kong, China, like those are all culinary regions that I think Ontario has that. And um, I think this this book is a way to start to show people and, and allow us to recognize that we do have a region. And the more that we start to to recognize that, the more we put energy into into the food that does grow here. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with recipe developer, nutritionist, and new cookbook author, Deirdre Burek. You know, I can I can hear the passion for food in your voice. Where does this love of food come from? Uh, my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I, I, I find a lot of joy in creating something that can make other people happy, too. It's um, a really exciting adventure to source out food and then to create something out, take it home and create something out of it. And then to sit at a table with people that I love and be able to to share that entire experience. Um, it's really, really a special thing. Can you remember the first recipe you tried or developed for the cookbook? Oh, boy. Well, this isn't the one that I technically developed, but I have this one. It's an apple pie that my grandmother used to make um, in Ireland, in Rosslea. And she said she taught my mom how to make it when she was a little tot. (laughs) Oh, really? 
Yeah, they had this like aga oven, which are these cast iron ovens. And um, and my mom would get like a mini, like the scraps of the pie crust. And she would learn how to, to, to make the dough with her and then make the apples. And it's so simple because there's not a lot of ingredients aside from the crust and apples. But um, the way that it was done has this like really special memory because my mom taught me when I was a little girl. And so I had to add that in. Um, so that was a really and now you're really sharing that with all of us. Yeah, and I'm so happy that now it can continue on. And originally, my grandmother would use lard for for the uh, crust to make it flaky. Right, that's what makes that's right. a, a pie crust nice and flaky. And then my mom's era, when she moved to Canada, it was all about um, shortening. But I right. brought it back to the lard because I want all the ingredients in my book to be as natural as possible and um, more on the sustainable end of things. So, so I wanted, I wanted to go back to that. And so it's been a bit of a full circle. <laughs> I can't wait to try that recipe. Yeah, it's really it sounds nice. delicious. You have to but- wait until the fall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's okay. I'm going to start planning it out. <laughs> Tell me about a cherished food memory of yours, something that is triggered by either a smell, a sound, an ingredient that you taste and you automatically, it takes you back to that moment in time. Yeah. From childhood, definitely um, the smell of apple cinnamon and, and fried, fried apple cinnamon. So the donuts, you know, that smell of like fried donut with apple cinnamon sugar. And I remember every Saturday, my dad would take us skiing and at the end of our day, he would take us to a little donut shop up the road from us. And, and we would get to eat these apple cinnamon donuts. And the smell of that just reminds me of, of like having partially wet <laughs> snowsuits on. <laughs> partially like sweaty, wet snowsuits. But being with, I have three other siblings. So being with my other right. siblings. Um, and, and my dad in this like little diner, mm-hmm. a hole in the wall <laughs> diner eating these apple cinnamon donuts. I love so, it. Yeah. That's really lovely. I didn't even think, I haven't even thought about that since the last time I had an apple cinnamon donut. Right. <laughs> so guess we're going to have apple cinnamon donuts coming up this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've talked about the book, but I haven't talked about you have to have like a go-to easy meal that you'll make for dinner. Something that you're really hungry, you don't have a lot of time or whatever the case. It's one of those things where I'll just make this again. Yeah. Okay. So it really depends on um, the month for the ingredients, but there's some things that you can just like a template of something. So a lot of these are also great templates and then you can incorporate different ingredients based on the time of year it is so for example in June I have this basil ginger halibut and papillette and it's it's almost like an envelope a a parchment paper envelope of ingredients that you can put in the oven and this one is bok choy and it has basil and ginger it's very fresh and it has a um a fish you can uh, this one's halibut but you can kind of choose based on on what your region or what you're working with in the time of year is the type of fish. And you cut the vegetables in a way that they cook in the same timing as the fish. And fish is generally pretty quick 
to cook and you just season it a little bit and place that in the oven. This one's served with soba noodles. So those are cooked very quickly as well. So that's a 15 minute recipe right there. And, and I love just like how the only cleanup is the pot that you boiled water to make the noodles. (laughs) But you're getting something so fresh and so flavorful and very, very, very well-rounded. So the back of my mind, my nutritionist mind is in there too. So I like think about all of that where you get a proper seasoning on the fish. You get a good cook, like the food is all cooked very well. And, and I even added, actually, I added pickled onions into it to brighten the dish at the very end, just to incorporate that. But like, depending on the time of year, you can- I love a pickled onion. Oh my gosh. Like anytime that I have like leftover food or something, you throw it, pickled something, pickled onion. Yeah. And it just judges the entire thing up. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And actually in the book at the beginning of every month, there is a how-to guide for things. So as the weather starts turning, I believe it's November, there's a how-to guide on how to do quick pickled ingredients. So like how quick pickled onions are in there or quick Mm. pickled radishes. And then you can incorporate it through the winter time. You can use these ingredients that you may be missing in the winter. And at the beginning of every month, there's something else that's a how-to. So so like, for example, April, there's how to cook fiddleheads because fiddleheads are toxic. Otherwise, so you prepare the fiddleheads before you actually add them to a dish. So there's a how to guide on that. Or in October, for anyone that's like going to cook a turkey for the first time or has never really, really got the like bang on turkey that they wanted, I have a how to guide on that. So every month, depending on the month of like what what uh, you want to learn in that month like there's a how to make your own cheese in the summer mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so like depending on the month you'll learn something how to make bone broth in the winter time and I'll incorporate that that recipe into something like if I do a bone broth in the winter then there'll be a a, a recipe on um, a certain soup that uses bone broth so you can like kind of go full circle that way Okay, are you ready for a game of rapid fire? Oh my gosh, yes. Tell us one thing most people don't know about you. I um, dance and I take Afro and dance hall classes. Do you really? Yeah, okay. I love it. That sounds like fun. Okay. What culinary hill are you willing to die on? Everyone who lives in Ontario needs to try a pawpaw. A what? A pawpaw. Okay, these fruits grow on trees. They are ripe in the fall, so September, October. They look like those like green mangoes and they taste tropical. It's like a mango banana mix. And it's very confusing to me that they grow here, but they are the best things ever and wild, but not everyone knows what they are. Name one thing from your childhood that kids today wouldn't understand. Renting movies. Like going to uh, like Blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm old enough. We have to be kind and rewind yes. before we return movies. <laughs> what is your junk food kryptonite? Um, I love fuzzy peaches. Mm. You have time to yourself, no interruptions. What do you do? Writing or taking photos. Name or sing a song that always puts you in a good mood. Oh, wow. Okay, I wish I could sing, but um, 
this weekend was Pride Weekend, and we mm-hmm. had a lot of fun duetting the Elton John and Kiki Rose song, So Go Breaking My Heart. How does that go? Oh my God, you can't make me sing. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, I ask every single guest, what is your kitchen confession? Do you have one that you can share with us? Um, I'm a very lazy cook, <laughs> despite um, developing recipes for a living. And I would say 85% of my meals that don't go in a cookbook or aren't made for entertaining are ones that are on a sheet pan. Yeah, those are my favorite. <laughs> on a sheet pan or in one pot. Yeah, those are my favorite. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So if listeners want to reach out for more information, they want to buy the book, where can they find you? Where can they get the book? Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at dburyk, D-E-E-B-U-R-Y-K. Or online, my website is just my name, Deirdre Burek. You can find the book at any local bookstore in Toronto and parts of Ontario, as well as Amazon and Indigo. Um, and I think that answers everything. Thank you so much. You are so much fun to talk to. I I loved every single minute of our conversation. Thank you, Mary. It's been a real delight. It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchen confession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mammolini. Thanks for listening. 